Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh, I'm grateful to be joining with you, and I thank you for joining with me. So, let's begin with a blessing, a prayer, as we always do. So let's take a breath together, a breath of gratitude, lifting our vibration up, rising above the battlefield, letting go of the past and the attachments to playing small, living in lack, attack, limitation, and separation. We joyfully allow ourselves to rise up. We are consciously coming together for the purpose of surrendering our attachments to the blocks to love and all the beliefs that are the cause of our sense of suffering. We are grateful to open our minds to truth, to wisdom, to clarity, to pure insight and intuition. We're partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self. With our hand on our heart, we wholeheartedly say yes to these new insights, this new clarity. We are consciously sharing the benefits with our brothers and sisters and all beings everywhere because we are united. In gratitude, we let the healing be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Ah, Yes, I'm so grateful to join with you. We are... Moving from the online Unity radio platform, which has actually closed, uh, and we're moving to Spotify platform, you won't need to do anything different, but just letting you know, so we're shifting that, and you'll be hearing different commercials, and we're also going to be offering an opportunity to get the podcast episodes without commercials, completely commercial-free for a very small fee. And so the commercials help offset the cost of producing the podcast. And if people would like to uh, pay a small fee, they can have it without commercials. I know for myself, I prefer everything without commercials. (laughs) So uh, I'm insisting that we offer that option. So yes, things are going to change, but you don't need to do anything different unless you'd like to listen without commercials, and we'll let you know how to do that. All right, here we go. This week, I'm talking about accessing spiritual wisdom and insight according to A Course in Miracles. And when we can actually access that spiritual wisdom, the knowledge that Jesus talks about in A Course in Miracles, true insight and intuition, it is extraordinary 
how much more peaceful we begin to feel. We begin to really accelerate our capacity to live by faith instead of by fear. And so it's it's life-changing. It makes such a huge difference. And the thing is that most of us, until we begin to experience it, we absolutely do not believe that it's possible for us to do it. We do think, oh yes, it's possible. People can do that. People can live by faith instead of fear. People can live a life of happiness and joy. Yes, I truly believe that's possible, just not for me. And I say this not because I'm just pulling a rabbit out of a hat here or something out of thin air. Uh, It's because I've talked literally with a thousand more people on this topic and people one-on-one because as a spiritual counselor for decades, I've had so many conversations with so many people. And then, of course, the classes in my programs are very intimate and people are able to share honestly and authentically and transparently without fear and to feel safe. And this is a common thing that so many people say, especially they they bring it up when they discover that they are now living more by faith and less by fear. They will say, I honestly am amazed because even though I decided to go for it, even though I decided to enroll in your program and give it my best, I truly never thought it would work for me. Truly did. People say that all the time. I just never imagined it could really actually make my life a miraculous life. But you see, this is the thing. If we're not willing to even have a belief that it could work for us and that it's not just for special people to have faith, uh, if we could all say, well, I could have faith if I put what was necessary into it, I could do it. But most, I mean, 99 out of 100 of the people I meet and talk with, I would say that they, like me, believed it doesn't work for people like me. I'm too bad. I'm too evil. I'm too messed up. I'm too stupid or slow, something like that. Because I I did feel like I was spiritually blocked. And so other people could get this, but not me. And when we have a belief like that, what are we going to experience? Dum da da dum. <laughs> nothing new, <laughs> nothing new under the sun. So that's the thing is, I encourage people around me to simply be willing to give that belief up. You don't have to figure out how to give it up. You don't have to figure out how to heal the mind. You just have to be willing 
to let these beliefs dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so you never experience them again. In, so we're going to look today at a section we've looked at before. It, it is uh, a beautiful section, and it's in Chapter 4, Section 3, it's entitled Love Without Conflict. And it begins with, It is hard to understand what the kingdom of heaven is within you really means. This is because it is not understandable to the ego, which interprets it as if something outside is inside, and this does not mean anything. The word within is unnecessary. The kingdom of heaven is you. What else but you did the Creator create? And what else but you is God's kingdom? This is the whole message of the atonement, a message in which totality transcends the sum of its parts. You, too, have a kingdom that your spirit created. It has not ceased to create because of the ego's illusions. Your creations are no more fatherless than you are. Your ego and your spirit will never be co-creators, but your spirit and your creator will always be co-creators with God. It's a very common phrase in New Thought. Be confident that your creations are as safe as you are. The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected, and the ego will not prevail against it. The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected, and the ego will not prevail against it. Amen. And I would add here something else. The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected and perfectly created. It's perfect. And that's what we are. We are that perfect kingdom, united and protected. And the ego will not prevail against us. It won't. Unless we'd like it to. And so temporarily, we can experience what it feels like to have the ego prevail against us. But it can only be experienced because we have decided that's what we are doing. Because the ego has no volition of its own. It has nothing. No power, no volition, no impetus, nothing. It's inert. Only, the, only one power, and that is the power of love. That is the power of God. It is within us, and the ego is not within us. No, the ego is not within us. Sometimes we feel a little bit or a lot like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? So Dr. Jekyll was the scientist who created the potion that allowed him to become Mr. Hyde. This is one of the ways the Holy Spirit was teaching us about the ego, 
So here's a bit of trivia that you might find interesting. I do. And uh, so in the 1800s, spirituality as we're experiencing it now, new thought, uh, was coming into being. And so you can think of the great essayist uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, who, just one of the great minds, uh, wrote all these beautiful essays and teachings about uh, spirit as we're thinking about it now and he did that in the 1800s later 1800s and at that time he was hugely popular people often don't even know about him anymore but he was hugely popular and also at that time someone who rose to great notoriety was Phineas Quimby who was healing people with the mind, at the level of the mind, and using the teachings of Jesus to learn how to do that. And then he had a patient named Mary Baker Eddy, who had a tremendous healing. She got ignited by the teaching of mind over matter, and she came forth with Christian science, And then her protege, Emma Curtis Hopkins, went on to teach Ernest Holmes, who founded Science of Mind, and also Emma Curtis Hopkins taught Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, who founded the Unity Churches. So back in the 1800s, you can think of the Transcendentalist movement in, also in the later 1800s, around the same time as Ralph Waldo Emerson and Phineas Quimby. And they're all up in New England there. It was a, a hotbed of uh, insight, inspiration, intuition and knowledge and wisdom, just exactly the topic of today. So the it, it, early in um, that 1800 periods, uh, to me, it's one of the clear ways that spirit was teaching us about the ego, very much in the same way that we're learning now to understand this world that we're experiencing, the ego and the spirit, the I am presence, the Holy Spirit, how we're learning to comprehend these truths, uh, we get all kinds of wonderful messages from that spirit, that Holy Spirit, through lots of different ways. One way, of course, is through books and movies and television and music and things like that. So early in the 1800s, we have Mary Shelley writing the Frankenstein novel, right? The the modern Prometheus story of Frankenstein, Dr. Victor Frankenstein, a young scientist who gets this idea to um, create this creature and, and from parts and bring it together. So it's, to me, it's a story of the ego 
And each one of us is both the Frankenstein doctor and the Frankenstein creature. So that was um, 1818 that Mary Shelley wrote that, that horror story. And then along comes Robert Louis Stevenson in the 1880s, and he writes The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And he is bringing forth this horror story of, uh, again, a a scientist, an explorer, uh, who is bringing forth a, a creature that is of the id, right? The uncontrollable ego. And wreaks havoc, just as Frankenstein's creature wreaked havoc. And then you also have in uh, towards right at the end of that that eighteen hundreds, in uh, right before the turn of the century, you've got Bram Stoker's novel Dracula, another horror story, also pure ego, right? This because think about the the essence of the ego is wanting, needing, craving endlessly. Why? Why is the ego uh, the personality that is identified with the ego endlessly wanting, needing, craving? As I've said many many times, it's because the Ego identified person is cut off from the source of all good, all plenty, all love, all peace, all harmony, all joy, all freedom, all creativity, all wisdom, all clarity. The all good of God is not accessible to the ego identified person. The ego-identified person has to be willing to move that identification towards an identification with spirit, with perfect love, in order to access all those gifts of God, the harmony, the peace, the creativity, the freedom, the joy, and all of that. So in these three stories, Jekyll and Hyde, Frankenstein, and Dracula, You've got these sort of of out-of-control, insatiable characters. And they are representing the sinfulness of the ego, acting without conscience. So in the case of Frankenstein, you could say in some ways... Dr. Frankenstein begins to act without conscience because he's fallen in love with his creation, right? And that's exactly, in this section, love without conflict, Jesus is talking with us uh, about not not necessarily falling in love with the ego identity that we've made, but not being willing to give it up, being so attached to it, even though... There's a sense of self-disgust and self-hatred and the unworthiness and all of that. The attachment to what we have made, that we do not wish to give up what we've made. To me, 
like, in a sense, the Frankenstein creature. I'm not calling him a monster on purpose. The Frankenstein creature was stitched together by his creator. So we have stitched together our personality, our false identity. We have made it. We've woven it out of parts the way that Dr. Frankenstein stitched together these dead parts, not living, dead parts, and then given them animation, playing God. Do you see how incredibly perfect the Holy Spirit has accomplished this task of helping us to see ourselves in the Frankenstein story, which is, of course, why it's so popular. Same with the Matrix stories, why they're so, so popular. Why? Because we see ourselves in them. You could say the same thing about the Godfather stories. Right, Anything that's super popular, we're seeing ourselves in these characters, in these stories. So then you have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll, again, another scientist who's so curious, so interested in what he can make and bring forth with his creature, in a sense, Mr. Hyde, the the aspect of his personality has no morals, has no moral center. Uh, he, he keeps experimenting and keeps experimenting because there's something about it he's in love with, he's enamored of. It's a special relationship. So we've got Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll and they've they've got these special relationships with their creatures and Dr. Jekyll even more you you're seeing the progression here now Frankenstein Dr. Frankenstein creates a a creature makes a creature but then Dr. Jekyll is the creature and then when you get to Dracula at the end of the 1800s well yeah Dracula has been made uh, and continues to perpetuate and make more vampires, more Draculas. And so these are all ways that the Holy Spirit is teaching us about the nature of the ego. So it goes from Frankenstein to Jekyll to Dracula. And Dracula is... A killer, an insatiable killer, never-ending, eternal, infinite darkness. So, to me, these things are interesting, that they appear simultaneously juxtaposed against these beautiful teachers of Ralph Waldo Emerson, Phineas Quimby, Mary Baker Eddy, Emma Curtis Hopkins, uh, Ernest Holmes, the Fillmores, and more spiritual teachers. Also, we've got beautiful teachings from Troward, and we've got folks like 
uh, Thoreau, and uh, so you've got this juxtaposition. People teaching purely about God in a new way, new thought, and then you've got these horror stories, these thriller horror stories, also teaching us about the ego as opposed to our, our spiritual identity. So, love without conflict, the kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected, and the ego will not prevail against it. It will not And Jesus says, this is written in the form of a prayer because it is useful in moments of temptation. The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected and the ego will not prevail against it. This is what we can remind ourselves of, that we are perfectly made. I am perfect. I think it's a perfect affirmation. Yes, I do. I'm so grateful to be able to hmm, see more clearly, know more clearly, feel more clearly that incredible support and the wisdom teachings of the Holy Spirit awaken alive more with every passing day in our minds. How blessed we are. And it is time for me to begin to move to that break. And uh, what I'd like to let you know is the Stop Playing Small Retreat is coming up. And then it will be followed in June by my Finding Freedom from Fear Boot Camp. And all the details are at jenniferhadley.com. I invite you to check them out. See what's what, see what is for you, and you can do that at jenniferhadley.com. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I am so grateful, (laughs) as always, so very grateful for the opportunity to transcend time and space and to connect. So we're talking about Chapter 4, Section 3, Love Without Conflict, in the topic of Accessing spiritual wisdom and insight. This is one of the things Jesus is talking about in here. So I was sharing this prayer that Jesus gives us. The kingdom is perfectly united and perfectly protected, and the ego will not prevail against it. Amen. This is written in the form of a prayer because it is useful in moments of temptation. I'm in paragraph two now. It is a declaration of independence. You will find it very helpful if you understand it fully. The reason you need my help is because you have denied your own guide and therefore need guidance. My role is to separate the true from the false. So truth can break through the barriers the ego has set up and can shine into your mind. 
Against our united strength, the ego cannot prevail. I find this very encouraging and very helpful. Uh, I very much take what Jesus tells us here in the Course to heart. So if Jesus tells me the ego will not prevail, the Jesus tells me I am the kingdom, if Jesus tells me teach only love for that is what you are, I believe him. And my intention, my desire, my aspiration is to know that he's telling me the truth, not to just believe it. I'll take believing it to start with, but I am interested in the knowing of it. That's what I'm interested in. Now, he he says here, uh, jumping to paragraph 5, it is necessary to repeat that your belief in darkness and hiding is why the light cannot enter. The belief in darkness and the belief in the need for hiding, hiding from God, being inauthentic, fearing, being transparent and truthful, all of that, the reason for uh, it is this identification with the sinner self that does not exist, but that we've made up and we've placed our belief in. Because we place our belief in darkness and in hiding from God, from our true identity, this is why the light cannot enter, because we are making a choice, a decision against God for the ego. The light cannot enter because we do not wish it to. And because we are part of God, we have the ability to decide, to choose, to bring things into our experience, into manifestation and form. So we're bringing into manifestation and form blocks to love because we fear love. Then he says, the Bible gives many references to the immeasurable gifts which are for you, but for which you must ask. So immeasurable gifts are for us, but we have to ask for them. Why? Because for so long, we have not been interested in them. We have chosen a different pathway. So we must actively choose. Now, another thing that Jesus tells us that I constantly repeat is that Jesus says, asking it is given because it already has been given. The kingdom has already been installed. We're already there. We're already free. We're already perfect. We're already whole. We're already everything. And it's just our decision to deny that that makes it seem like we have to get there. But we do not have to get there. So we're asking to be shown what is already known. We're asking to be shown what is already known. He says... 
Again, the Bible gives many references to the immeasurable gifts which are for you, but for which you must ask. This is not a condition in the way that ego sets conditions. It is the glorious condition of what you are. So we're asking to remember our true nature, our true identity. Who are we asking? Ourselves. There is no other. He says, no force except your own will is strong enough or worthy enough to guide you. In this case, I'm sorry, in this you are as free as God and must remain so forever. Let us ask God in my name to keep you mindful of God's love for you and yours for him. Let us ask God in my name to keep you mindful of God's love for you and yours for God. Now, many, many, many times people have asked me so many times, how, several questions, how do we remember to anchor into the truth? How do we remember to partner up? How do we remember to go the other way? How do we do that and not fall down the rabbit hole? How do we not get triggered? And here's the thing that I often say. I'll say, well, how do you remember to bathe? How do you remember to bathe? Well, I I feel dirty. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing. You feel uncomfortable. You, Instead of just accepting it and then trying to manage your symptoms of feeling uncomfortable and trying to make things outside of you be different, partner up. Don't go it alone. Stop trying to manage and manipulate the situations and circumstances of life and instead go to spirit. And connect. But you see, why we don't remember to do that is because it's not actually what we'd like to do. We'd rather hide in the shadows and have what we are settling for. Because there's this strong belief that If we partner up, if we truly partner up, if we truly live a life of God, that it's going to be boring, it's going to be miserable, we won't eat any good food anymore, we won't be able to have cocktails anymore, we won't be able to have sex anymore, everything is going to be taken away from us that we value. No more TV. It's just not true. It's just not true. Now, The thing is, is many of those things, the food, the sex, the alcohol, the TV, we've made into false gods, false idols, that in a sense we adore them, we worship them, and we like them, need them, want them more than that connection to spirit. We don't realize that we can have this connection with spirit 
and be tuned in, tapped in all of the time. And from that place, we can truly enjoy the food, the sex, the television, whatever it is. And I I will say for me personally, I noticed that I really, I just hardly ever drink anymore. And that's not by my saying, oh, I'm not going to drink. It's really, I think about, do I want to feel less connected? No, I don't. It's a real conscious thing. Do I, do I want to feel that? No, I don't. Because there's no question in my mind, I've, I've experimented way too much. I know that I feel not as connected, not as inspired, not as tuned in if I've had alcohol in the last, I don't know, 24, 36 hours, 48 hours. So it's just not, there's no upside to it. It doesn't mean I won't have a drink or I don't have a drink, but generally I don't feel called to. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's wrong or it's bad or the same would be true for you. It's just this is what's true for me. And I am definitely not saying in any way, shape, or form anyone should do what I do. I don't know what other people should do. I'm not in the business of what people should do. But I do support people who come to me for assistance in helping them figure out what is best for them. And that is my joy. So let us ask God in Jesus' name to keep us mindful of God's love for us and our love for God. So this is what my practice is. And it became my practice long before I ever read this. It was just what I was guided to, to every day anchor myself first thing into this space of lead me, guide me, direct me. That I would like to take my instructions from that higher Holy Spirit self. I am not interested in taking instructions from the ego anymore. I'm not interested in following the ego identity anymore. I'm truly interested in being in that identification with pure spirit and with every passing day I feel more connected more tuned in and tapped in and life gets easier it's more enjoyable and I am grateful that I get to live this way I've given myself this gift of living in this place of connection and it just There's no contest to living in fear. So it is a decision that we make to access spiritual wisdom and insight. We don't have to know how. We don't have to make it happen. We're allowing ourselves to live this way and to experience it. We're getting out of the way. So 
starting the day with partnering up, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, angels, walk with me, talk with me, guide me to the highest and best choices. That's what I'm interested in. Show me how I can be of service to the light today. Show me how I can recognize the light within today. Let me be truly helpful to myself and to my brothers and sisters, all of them, all of them. So he goes on to say here in chapter 6, I mean, uh, paragraph 6 now, God has never failed to answer this request to keep us mindful. So let's ask to be mindful. I, I don't have to remember to brush my teeth. It is part of what I do. I have different things I do before bed, praying, meditating. Uh, do I do uh, various prayers and meditation and I usually take a shower, I brush my teeth, I wash my face, I wash my body, I take some supplements, I drink some water, I do these things every day, every day. And prayers and meditation every day, every day, no exceptions, every day. I... It's been years now, but I have had the experience of getting into bed and starting to fall asleep and then realizing because I was so tired, usually because I had gotten up at 4 o'clock in the morning and traveling and now I'm going to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. There have been times when I have gotten into bed, start falling asleep, and I realize, oh my gosh, I forgot to do my prayers and meditation and I just throw back the covers and I get out of bed and I do it and I don't make exceptions I don't make exceptions for me and this may not be true for you but for me accessing that spiritual wisdom and insight is supported by my consistency my willingness to be consistent that Getting to sleep 20 minutes sooner, skipping the prayer and meditation, I know that will not be the choice that is going to feel best to me. That I know that. I know that. Just like we know having... Six shots of tequila is not going to be the highest and best. We don't have to, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I might feel great tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure that the simple prayers and meditation will raise my vibration. I will take that higher vibration into my sleep time and in Anchoring myself before I sleep in the love of God and also making prayers for everyone on this planet, all the people who participate in this ministry, making prayers for family and friends, making prayers for the world situations, blessing everyone and everything, 
uh, all of these different things that I do before I go to bed, this is contributing in a very meaningful way to more peace, more love, and more joy for everyone. The benefits of that far outweigh not getting out of bed or not getting to bed earlier and having a few more minutes sleep. I, as If you've been listening to this for a while, you know I think my one of my favorite quotes in the Course is, rest comes from waking, not from sleeping. And this I've proven in my own experience, that prayer, meditation are restorative. They're reparative. They're healing, curative. And so sleep can't offer me that. It seems like it can, and it feels like it can sometimes. But I know that only the shifts in my consciousness are healing. It's not the sleep, although it sometimes seems like it. I understand. And I can believe, oh yes, the sleep is healing. But it's really the resting in God, the resting of the mind, moving out of the ego attachments and the ego nightmare during sleep time is so beneficial. Now, the other thing that is also interesting that I'm just going to pop in here because Spirit tapped me and said, oh yeah, say that. So I mentioned the word nightmare. I used to have nightmares. Uh, nightmares where I'd be screaming, trying to wake myself up. Uh, really, it's you know where I'm half awake, trying to to move my body and wake myself up and and make noise and uh, all of that. I used to have those kinds of nightmares, really awful. But I don't have that kind of experience anymore, and I haven't had it in a very long time. Because I am not grappling with fear anymore, and I am so grateful. So I want to get to this part here. Let me keep going. So God has never failed to answer our request to keep us mindful of God's love. Spirit, keep me mindful of love of God's infinite love. Keep me mindful of that. All the time, I'll say to the angels, angels, help me be mindful of this, of that. And boy, they are so good. I invite you to test it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Just go for it. Those who call truly are always answered, Jesus says. Those who call truly are always answered. Thou shalt have no other gods before God, because there are none. It has never really entered your mind to give up every idea you ever had that opposes knowledge. You retain thousands of little scraps of fear that prevent the Holy One from entering. 
Light cannot penetrate through the walls you make to block it, and it is forever unwilling to destroy what you have made. So, in this human experience, Spirit is not going, even our higher Holy Spirit self, is not going to destroy what we have made in our ego identification. In this world, we get to choose what our experience will be. That's what he's saying to us here. You have to decide that you're more interested in God than in what you've made. We have to make this decision. It's part of the game of this experience. It's part of the rules. Like, I love to play board games. And board games have rules. And you play by the rules. So one of the rules here is that... Light cannot penetrate through the walls you make to block it, and it is forever unwilling to destroy what you have made. No one can see through a wall, but I can step around it. Watch your mind for the scraps of fear, or you will be unable to ask me to do so. I can help you only as our Father created us. I will love you and honor you and maintain complete respect for what you have made, but I will not uphold it unless it is true. I will never forsake you any more than God will, but I must wait as long as you choose to forsake yourself. Because I wait in love and not in impatience, you will surely ask me truly. I will come in response to a single unequivocal call. Yes. Watch carefully and see what it is you are really asking for. Be very honest with yourself in this, for we must hide nothing from each other. If you will really try to do this, you have taken the first step toward preparing your mind for the Holy One to enter. We will prepare for this together. For once the Holy One has come, you will be ready to help me make other minds ready for the Holy One. How long will you deny God His kingdom? So, we don't have to figure it out. We're not alone. There is guidance for us. Ask and it is given. Everything awaits our yes, our willingness. No one is unworthy. No one is left out. We don't have to hide. We don't have to hide anything. It's wonderful. Right now I'm getting ready for my... Stop Playing Small Retreat, my Finding Freedom from Fear Boot Camp, which begins in June. And if you would like to do this work with me and to transform 
your experience of life. And to, in particular, get rid of these scraps of fear that Jesus is talking about. Watch your mind for the scraps of fear, or you will be unable to ask me to do so, to help. So let us get mindful of the scraps of fear, and instead of trying to figure out how to manipulate the world so that we don't feel afraid. Let us recognize the real causes of the feelings of fear are the belief in separation, and that can be healed. It can be cured. And in fact, it definitely will be so. It is just a matter of time, as Jesus says. So we don't have to wait on time because time has no volition. It's inert. So we're here experiencing time until we decide that we are done. And we partner up and we are willing to move into this place of recognizing our wholeness, our divinity, our magnificence, and to see it and recognize it in our brothers and sisters. So in my Finding Freedom from Fear boot camp, which is based on A Course in Miracles principles, that's exactly what we're doing. We're not talking about it. We're doing it. And that is the difference in my programs. We move beyond just talking about it to actually doing it and accomplishing it. And that to me is what is so extraordinary, that each one of us can prove that this works. We can prove it. And it's not that it's hard to do, but it it does take great willingness. It does. It takes a willingness for us to move out of our discomfort are having gotten comfortable with the discomfort and into a whole new experience of our lives. If you go to jenniferhadley.com, you can get all the details about my Finding Freedom from Fear spiritual boot camp. You can make an exploratory call appointment with one of the spiritual counselors. If you have any questions, they can answer them. Let's pray. So grateful and so thankful to know our wholeness, our peace, our joy, our loving heart and mind are open and available to the love of God right here and right now. We are willing to give up all belief in lack and limitation. We're willing to give up hiding and fear. We share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Amen.